Will you join me in prayer? God of great love, may your teaching pour through the entirety of who we are. Help us in all ways to live in your love. In the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God, amen. Please be seated. Well, after our wonderful, joyful Love Your Church Sunday last week, and a great baptism if you were there for, on Saturday, it would have been really lovely to have a scripture like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and might and love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, that's not what we got, is it? Woo, we got a good one today. Love your enemies. I don't know about you all, I squirmed a little bit there. Did you as well? If you were honest? Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, maybe not. You know, it's a scripture that actually we don't get to read every three years. Do you know how the scripture is on a three-year uh, rotation? But because Lent is starting so late this year, we get a couple of Sundays that we don't always get. So the people who planned this lectionary... I don't know, they did us either a favor or an injustice, having it not pop up every three years. So you might not actually hear this teaching preached on for a good six or nine or so years. Yeah, I know. So today, we, ha we can't pass it by. I imagine as Jesus was teaching his disciples, because it was the close followers of Jesus that he was talking to, his close, closest followers, when he said, love your enemies, their eyes must have bulged a bit. Remember at the time of this scripture, the, um, the Jewish people were in the midst of great oppression from the Roman Empire. They had many enemies. There was oppression, there was exploitation, there was abuse, there was terror. So this teaching was not offered in the midst of things being comfortable and easy. It was offered in the midst of great difficulty. And Jesus, when he said, love your enemies, he told, tells us how to do it in this scripture here. Did you notice that? He says, do good to those who hate you. He's not denying the hate. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Is he crazy? I think God is a little crazy. But I've also learned enough to trust Jesus' teaching, to take enough time to let them percolate in and through, and to listen. Because there's something there. And there are four pieces I'd like to talk with you about this. I'd like us to talk about the clarity of what Jesus is teaching. I'd like us to talk about how we nourish ourselves with grace to do this work. I'd like to talk about how we pause before we do this work. And then the question of what do we really trust? So clarity, nourishing, pause, and trust. Clarity. Jesus is not asking us to be a doormat for the abuse 
of another. Have you heard that teaching probably at some point, if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other also? And unfortunately, there's a history in the church of people interpreting that to mean someone hits you or does something awful to you, ah, you just offer the another because you're, you're, you know that in the end God will take care of things. I have a very important four-letter word to share about that teaching. It is bunk. B-U-N-K. It is bunk. That is not what Jesus is teaching. So I need a volunteer. Oh, Donovan, I'm so glad you offered. Is it, do you mind? Okay, wonderful, thank you. All right, do you mind if I don't have my mask on? Okay. All right, so come up here so people can see you. All right, this is a little historical, cultural tidbit that's actually really important. Okay, so let's say that I'm the Roman dude, okay? I'm the, I'm the, I'm the one with the power. And you're, for example, one of Jesus' disciples. So theoretically, you're not the one with the power, but because you have love and God and Jesus, you actually do have a lot. But do you know what I'm saying? Like in, in a daily interaction. So if I was angry with Donovan and I just wanted to put him in his place, I would come up and I would just slap the living daylights out of him, right? Slap. Oh, wait, here, we're going to do this real time. Ready? Okay. Now, what Jesus is saying in turn the other cheek is to look me, the abuser, in the eye and offer the other cheeks. So you're going to turn, and then I would need to then back, because they would always use the right hand, I would need to then slap with the back of my hand. But what that means culturally is that we are equals. When we're not equals, I would slap with the front of my hand. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you look them in the eye and you stand in knowing that you are a full, beautiful, robust, wonderful person in the eyes of God and we are meant to be in the eyes of each other. So you stand there and you, you look at me and you're like, you go ahead because I am a beloved person of God. Oh, <laughs> right? Right? Because you're making real you're making clear what's going on, that they are treating you in a way that is not appropriate, not okay, not acceptable to God. Right? So I go like this, and you just, you just give me that look, brother. You're good at that look. Does Vern tell you that too? I'm not asking. Okay. Thank you so much. You're such a good, you're such a good sport. Thank you, Donovan. Yay. <laughs> Does that make sense? You're right. So you're bringing, to, you're bringing to clarity the oppression that's going on, the abuse that is going on. That is the meaning of turn the other cheek. So too with the meaning of if someone takes your coat away, you know, the thing that keeps you warm at night. He's, Jesus says, give your, give your shirt away also. Make it clear what this person is doing to you. Do not simply accept it, but bring to light the abuse that is taking place. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's different, isn't it? We are not meant to be doormats for the abuse of others. Never. That is never the gospel call. So clarity. Now to do this work, though, like Donovan had that great look in his eye, to do that work, 
it takes, it takes courage, doesn't it? And it takes continually nourishing in you that deep knowing of how loved and valuable and precious you are in God's sight. And how loved and valuable and precious each of us is meant to be in each other's sight. Now sometimes that gets hard, doesn't it? We get worn down, we get weary, we get afraid. So I'd like to share with you a prayer practice that can be really helpful for this. Would that be all right? I'm so glad you said yes. I learned this prayer from a woman, uh, Susan Salzberg, and she wrote a book called The Art of Loving Kindness or, or something close to that. It's a very simple prayer. And here's some of the wisdom about this kind of prayer. Praying for our enemies is actually dangerous work. Let me explain that a little bit. It, praying for our enemies, we first have to make sure that we are cared for ourselves. Otherwise, we become more um, taken advantage of. So you have to nourish that sense of self that you know yourself as deeply loved and treasured by God. And here's the prayer you start with. It's very simple. You just say it over and over. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. So I'm just going to say that a few times. I invite you to kind of center in if you want to just let it wash over you. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. And as you've given time, and time I mean days, weeks, months, whatever it is you need, you then expand the circle a little bigger, and you say this prayer for someone who is beloved to you, perhaps a spouse, a child, a dear friend. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. And as you're ready, you then draw the circle what? A little bigger. You might do your neighbor down the street, who you think is pretty great. You know, maybe doesn't always mow his lawn that great, but he's overall a pretty good guy, right? And you say, may you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. And then guess what you do? You draw the circle a little wider. And maybe you get that grumpy person down the street. You don't know too well, but you've met her a few times, and she's grumpy. And you pray, may you be safe. May you be, you can say it with me, happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. Then you draw the circle even bigger. Someone you don't even know, but perhaps has really made you angry. May you be safe. May you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And as your heart has grown in that place and you know that peace that passes under all understanding, then we're really ready to pray, I mean really pray for our enemies, for those who have hurt us, for those who have abused us, for those who have oppressed us. 
and we say, may you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. It's a prayer that heals us, heals our brothers and sisters, heals the world, because it works with that reality that we have to start with that place of grace where God is right in us. And as we pray this prayer, what begins to happen is we begin to recognize that our enemy, who is our brother and sister, is suffering as well. And as we're able, we can then pray, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And it helps us to recognize that our God is a God who is always merciful. And as we see our brother and sister, even though right now they sure do feel like our enemies, our hearts begin to open over time as we're ready to knowing the suffering of that other person and to come, then be able to come from a place of love. Does that make sense? So clarity, nourishing, and what I call the holy pause. You know when you get really angry, and maybe when you were growing up, your mama or papa said to you, count to 10 before you say anything, something like that. This is a little like that a little richer too. Before responding, if we take a breath, a full breath in, a full breath out, and we remember that the holiest name for God, a name so holy our, brother, our Jewish brothers and sisters don't even use it, Yahweh, is actually the sound of the breath. It's Do you hear that? It actually is the sound of the breath. So we take that breath and we remember that God is breathing us and we are breathing God and we respond from that place. Clarity, nourishing, pause, and then trust. What do you trust most deeply? Do you trust most deeply the power of love to heal, to bring clarity. It really is a question of what we trust. Do we trust the power of love over the power of hate? Do we trust that God is calling us to a life of love and not to be free of hate? Clarity, nourishing, pause, trust. And as I said at the beginning, this is hard work, my friends, isn't it? It takes courage. The gospel, while it is absolutely about comfort, is also about courage to live this life of love, to pray for ourselves, to pray for our enemies. And we just have to normalize courage. It's just a part of the gospel life. And also, we need to normalize what I like to call holy discomfort. When we are with groups of people with whom we are not comfortable, either because they, have been, they may have been oppressive towards us, or perhaps we're just not familiar with them, so we just feel uncomfortable, discomfort's okay. In fact, it's probably good because it means we're doing the work we're called to do. 
So you're in a holy place. Isn't that great? Doesn't that just make it all better? Okay, maybe not. But it's just good to remember normalizing holy discomfort. And then finally, normalizing curiosity. When we live in these new ways of love, the world begins to change. What will happen over time as we do these practices and as we love one another, love ourselves, love our enemies, just as God loves us? Are you curious? Can we be curious together? And so I'm so glad that we've had time to talk together about love your enemies. I pray that that teaching may percolate through you, through me, through all of us as we do the healing work God calls us to do. You are radiant, and the love you bring into the world transforms this world. In the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God. Amen. <laughs>